honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Today is loaded, so I really want to get into it. Uh, My guest is really, really dope. Uh, As I say with every guest, because every guest I have on, I hope is very dope to you guys. But Anyways, it's my pleasure to welcome Brittany Perry. Brittany, thanks for jumping on with me today. Thank you so much, Izzy, for having me. I appreciate it. I am excited uh, for people to to hear what you're working on. Uh, You have a a lot of things in the works. Uh, You're a yellow brick rad, and you're someone in the conversations that we've had before this recording. You're someone that um, will... Won't won't hold back for any student that's listening or anything like that. So I'm excited. But anybody who doesn't know who you are or anything like that, do you want to give a brief intro? Yeah, sure. So my name is Brittany Perry, like you said. Um, I am the founder of Perico Shoes, which is my company. Uh, it's a unisex footwear and accessories brand that I started in 2018. So originally I'm from Indiana. So Indianapolis, and um, I went to school at Ball State University for marketing. So I didn't have any background in fashion, but I've always had a passion for sneakers. Um, When I was younger, I was a tomboy. I played basketball. Um, But in in Indiana, we don't have any like boutiques like there are in Chicago or some of the larger cities. So when you go shopping for sneakers, I wear a lot of men's shoes because Uh, The women's section was very small and they didn't have a lot of options or the colorways were like pink and I definitely didn't want to wear anything like that. So um, I wore a lot of, I wore a lot of guys shoes. And um, when you fast forward to, I graduated from college, um, I'm still working like a corporate job while I'm doing my sneakers. Um, But I couldn't wear my typical shoes like, you know, Jordans and um, Air Force One. So I came up with the idea to create my own sneaker that I could wear to work, but also out with my friends. Or if I wanted to go out after work, then I could still be comfortable, but look, you know, look good too. So that's kind of the story of how the brand came to be and how it's unisex because I didn't want to exclude um, anyone from that. There's a lot to unpack there. I, (laughs) yeah, from your upbringing um, and just like most of the people that are listening to this podcast the thought of starting a sneaker company or a footwear brand entices them. It it almost excites them, but they don't know what all goes into it. So the first thing we're going to hit on is you just up and starting a footwear brand. Were you ready for everything that, that came your way? No, definitely not. Um, It's like, I I had thoughts of, always wanted to like create my own shoe but like I said I didn't go to school for design or fashion and I really can't draw that well (laughs) so I was like oh you know I probably can't do it um 
but with the introduction of social media and Instagram, it gave me, um, I guess, more inspiration and it opened doors that I never had seen done before, you know, coming from, you know, Indiana, like I said, we didn't have any boutiques or anyone that I could like look up to in that aspect of entrepreneurship. Um, but with the social media aspect, I saw all of these other independent footwear brands that I've never heard of. So like Filling Pieces, which was over in Europe, ETQ Amsterdam. Uh, so a lot of brands that started very small, but they're like blowing up and they're in these department stores. So like, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> but I didn't know where to start. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't know where to start. Again, I was working a full-time job as well. Um, I reached out to different people that were in the sneaker industry to kind of get some advice, but no one would, you know, send me messages back or anything. So it was really tough trying to, you know, find a starting point because there's no how to create a shoe when I was starting out, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I reached out to a few people and I happened to um, find someone on Instagram using a hashtag. I can't remember what hashtag it was, but. Um, his name was Quentin Williams, and he was living in Atlanta at the time, and he was a freelance footwear designer who was also African-American. I was like, oh, wow, I've never seen, like, a, a Black footwear designer with his own shoe. <laughs> so I reached out to him through a DM, and he hit me back, and he was basically there to, like, help create the first sneaker and guide me through. So if it wasn't for him... <laughs> I wouldn't be where I am, but it was definitely not an easy road. Um, so we could talk about that a little more too. <laughs> Damn. So, I mean, with the rise of social media, like you hit on, if it wasn't for you hashtagging or just being active on that app, you literally probably wouldn't have got started. That's, that's, that's nuts. Yeah. I mean, the power of the internet is crazy because it just puts you in front of so many different people and you just see so many different things that you wouldn't see, you know, if you're, if you stayed in your hometown or, you know, um, like I said, you always want to, or if you don't see certain things, you don't think that they're possible, you know? So just seeing that it gives you inspiration to, you know, want to be more and want to try things on your own. Um, so I definitely appreciate him for responding because a lot of people didn't respond. <laughs> And, you know, the people that did respond, they were saying, oh, well, you know, I can help you, but I charge a consulting fee. You got to uh -huh. you know, pay for a minimum of five hours. It's going to be $150 an hour. And, you know, I'm already like, I don't have the money to, to pay for that, you know. <laughs> so it was what, tough. Um, it's definitely tough. What, what did you have? Like, how did you deal with? I'm guessing you're sending out hundreds of DMs, emails, stuff like that to get in touch with somebody. How did you deal with that rejection? Um, it was definitely discouraging just because the things that I was being told, it was just making making it seem like designing my own shoe was unrealistic. And that if I didn't have like 500000 to a million dollars to invest in starting a brand that, you know, I wouldn't be successful type thing. So it was definitely discouraging. And then especially when people don't write you back and it's just like, how do you expect to get somewhere if no one is willing to, you know, help you out? So um, it was definitely discouraging at some points, but um, eventually you run into the right people. And I think if you're a good person and, you know, you're determined to get something done, then you'll find a way. I love that. I think uh, you hit on something 
talking about the brand, you said that for you, the importance of being different going into uh, an office setting or anywhere, um, it was something important. And maybe it wasn't on the recording, maybe it was, it was something that you had mentioned uh, in our previous chat, but why is being different and standing standing out in a different way so important to you? Um, for me, like I said, if I go back to how I grew up, like I grew up um, in Indiana and I said we everyone gets their shoes from either Foot Locker or Finish Line. So that means everybody's going to be wearing the same thing, you know, come Monday when the shoes came out on the weekend. You know, Monday, everybody's going to have that same shoe on. <laughs> um <laughs> So I was that way at first and I enjoyed like, you know, getting the sneakers on the weekends. But then I was like, man, I'm tired of looking like everybody else. Um, so that kind of introduced me to um, finding skateboard shoes. So SBs, my, fr my friend Alex introduced me to a store called Rise Skate Shop and I didn't skate <laughs> and I had never even seen like SB blazers or anything like that. So that was like a whole new introduction to a whole new world. And that was um, kind of like an introduction of not wanting to wear um, what other people wear. Like I wanted to kind of be different and stand out. But as far as, you know, in my work environment, I kind of felt like, you know, I'm a business person, but I'm not clean cut like a business person. Like I'm really relaxed and yeah. I kind of felt like I was kind of hiding myself in a way. Um, like I wasn't being authentic because I couldn't wear sneakers. Like I'm, I'm really mm. chill. Um, so that's kind of why I wanted to create that sneaker as well as, cause I, I mean, I always want to be comfortable, but, um, I think now that I kind of switched jobs and I <laughs> kind of got a little more relaxed, um, I'm more open and willing to being myself. And I, I think my shoes allow me to do that and express that not only through my sneakers, but you know, accessories and other things as well. So I think it's definitely important. You know, sneakers is almost like a, an extension of your personality, almost. So definitely, definitely. you want to wear, we want to wear what makes you feel good and what makes you comfortable. Do you think um, something important to you starting your brand was the fact that it was a, a unisex line? Why, why did you have so much, or I'm sorry, that wasn't the right question. <laughs> Instead okay. of why, I mean, should brands start looking into more of the unisex models or, or silhouettes rather than doing specifically men versus women versus uh, kids and stuff like that? Definitely. I mean, I think they're moving that route right now. Um, I see a lot more brands. I know Beyonce's brand um, was unisex, even though, um, you know, mostly women are wearing the shoe. But I think a lot more brands are starting to be gender neutral. Um, but I do, I understand just because of like creating a sneaker, the, the fit of the shoe is different uh, for a man and a woman. But I mean, still, even knowing that, you know, when, when Jordans come out or when certain shoes come out, women are usually like the first in line to, to grab a Jordan. You know, it doesn't matter that it's a men's shoe. If it looks good, mm -hmm. I want it. You know, <laughs> it shouldn't matter that, you know, it's, it shouldn't even be considered like gender. It's just, if something looks good and you want it, you should be able to have it. 
And I think that was one of the problems um, growing up is that, you know, there weren't women in the boardrooms making decisions on, you know, designs or actually what people wanted. I think the men kind of had the control and kind of guessed at what we would want when really all we wanted was, you know, the same shoes that the guys had, but just in women's sizing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I do like um, how some of the women's shoes are exclusive because it's kind of like, now you know how we feel. It's like there's a dope colorway, but it's only women and they don't have your size. So now you understand how we feel all the time because most shoes are men's shoes. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so I still agree with, you know, having some women exclusives here and there just so, you know, some payback <laughs> for, you know, <laughs> if we if we have some colorways. But going forward, I think we should definitely just have shoes be all inclusive. There shouldn't be a, a, a men or a women's. We should just have sizes for everybody. So you've been doing this for three years now. What's been your your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. <laughs> what is the biggest one? Um, I haven't had a real, because I, I feel like most failures are just learning experiences, especially since, like I said, I didn't have any background doing it. So I'm kind of just learning as I go. Um, one thing that really did upset me, though, is that I was trying to design a new um, high top version of my shoe Mm -hmm. and I had spent a lot of time and money um on trying to get it designed and getting a sample made and when I got it back it looked nothing like what I thought it would so it's very discouraging when you know you just have certain a certain vision in your mind of how something is supposed to look and when you get it back it doesn't look anything like you thought it would it is really discouraging um so you just kind of have to go back to the drawing board but now it's just like it i think everything pretty much happens for a reason because now i feel like i'm moving in a different direction than what i originally had planned so i usually don't view uh, anything as like a true failure i just view them as like learning opportunities love that mindset i love that mindset i think it's important for anybody to take that take if they're listening to this episode, take that at least out of this episode. Like failures are not something to be sad about. Like you can be sad about it, but it's something to really learn from and grow from moving forward. So with everything that you've, you've done, you've been doing this for three years, balancing in between a full-time job. How do you do it? Like, how's that time management look? Like you're, you're running a brand and then also you have a nine to five. Like what's, what's your day to day look like? Oh man, it varies from day (laughs) to day (laughs) because I mean, I'm blessed and lucky enough to have um, a sales job. So in sales, I'm able to like create my own schedule. So, you know, if I have something I need to do shoe related, then I'll just schedule my work related appointments around that so I'm blessed mm-hmm. to be able to do that but um, it's definitely tough because if there's certain opportunities that pop up in another state or um, if there's trade show opportunities in another country 
financially or time-wise, I don't have, you know, the resources to do some of those things. So it kind of gets frustrating, um, you know, trying to balance that. And then at my first job, I didn't even tell anybody that I was doing shoes <laughs> because yeah. I was, um, like I said, I was in sales, so it's performance related. And I didn't want, um, I didn't want anything to kind of be, a distraction or I don't want my bosses to think my sneaker business was a distraction to my regular job because I was already mm -hmm. like the only African-American salesperson. Yeah. Um, so I felt like there's a lot of pressure to be successful and I just didn't want anything um, to distract them or, you know, assume that, oh, this is taking more time out of what you should really be focusing on. So I just didn't tell anyone. I told maybe one or two people out of you know everybody <laughs> i kind of yeah. i try to keep it kind of separate um but definitely you know do you think that's how it should be work, um somewhat i mean i feel like as long as there's no conflict of interest like it's not interfering mm -hmm. with anything i'm doing with my job like there's nothing no reason why i shouldn't be able to do both and everybody should be able to i always think people Yes, you have your regular job, but you should always have something like on the side that you're passionate about. Because I feel like a lot of people are just working jobs just for the paycheck and they, you know, it kind of gets monotonous. But you should mm -hmm. always like do things in your spare time that make you happy. Um, and I don't think that your your bosses should even care <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah. But again, that was my mindset at that point, which is like, I just want to keep it separate just because like I just feel so much pressure being a black woman um, and I'm one of the only ones and I didn't want, you know, I didn't want that to interfere with anything. Yeah. It's but, sad because that's that's the reality, though. You have to almost or w really anybody of color coming into a, a workplace that doesn't have much. We have to make sure that we're kind of like you said, not hiding it, but just just proving to people that we're 100% here and not somewhere else. Yeah, for sure. Because you just, I just didn't want anything like, oh, she's doing this and that's why she's not hitting her goals. Or, yeah. You know, it might not have been like that. I wouldn't, I don't know. Because, I mean, um, we're past it now. But I did make, um, it's funny because I made another LinkedIn page. Because uh, I have two <laughs> LinkedIn's. Cause my regular LinkedIn has like all my like business professional stuff. So like my regular nine to fives and everything. Yeah. And, but I was like, dang, I want to like, you know, network with other creatives. But if they looked at this profile, there's nothing like that says I do sneakers or anything. So I made a different one. <laughs> and, um, I just started a new job in like July. Yeah. So the um we had a new person join and i guess they were trying to find me and he's like oh you have a shoe company and i was like huh <laughs> and i was like oh crap <laughs> um and he was like that's funny because he was like i used to work for la gear and converse in california um as a marketing rep and i was like oh really so he wanted to talk to me about it so now it's just like out in the open like people know i do it so um at this point, I guess I don't care. <laughs> I don't yeah. care anymore what people think. Like, if you have a problem with what I'm doing in my spare time, then I don't even want to be working for you anyways. So. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What, um, 
I want to jump into being a woman founder in an industry that's, for lack of better terms, dominated by males. Um, Even though in doing some research, a lot of people will figure out this industry is run by females, uh, but nobody, nobody gives them the clout that the males do. How, how has that experience been for you? How, how have you navigated, um, and have you found some mentors that have kind of helped you get through um, everything that has been thrown your way? Yeah, it's definitely um, a tough space. And I think like majority industries in America are, are male dominated. Um, mm-hmm. My regular job, it was male dominated, especially, you know, with mostly white men. So I think um, a lot of people, even when you go to college, um, you're surrounded by mostly um, you know, people that are not black. <laughs> um, no. so I think it's just something that we've become so accustomed to, but I definitely think that the past year, especially 2020 and everything that occurred, um, uh, was a wake up call for a lot of corporations. And they're just seeing, you know, we don't have the representation that our main consumers are because the main consumers of sneakers are, you know, African-Americans We're the number one consumer for sneakers, but yet, you know, you look around at these the people that are in the boardrooms and, you know, it doesn't show that. And, um, you know, it can be very discouraging, but I think it's starting to get better and you're starting to see a lot more women designers. Um, you're seeing a lot more collaborations with sneaker brands. So like, I know um, Alayli May has done a Jordan and you're seeing Yoon Ambush do the dunks. And I know she had a couple of collaborations with Nike as well. So we're starting to see more strides towards um, including women. But I definitely think that we could do a lot better than what we are, Um, especially with women athletes. I feel like um, they're definitely not put on pedestals like the male athletes, as you know. Um, But I just feel like there's a lot of opportunity that hasn't been touched yet um, that we could be capitalizing on for sure. And, you know, women are into sneakers. And I think that everyone knows that now, <laughs> like everybody's wearing sneakers. So we definitely just need to make the strides to make sure that the companies are diversified, not only with just, you know, black, white, different races, but um, with women in those, in those rooms as well. I think in my research in the industry, I think what you're doing there's going to be a, you're paving a path for a ton of women to kind of follow in your footsteps. So what would you tell them? Any advice that you would give to anybody really jumping into the industry and creating something from scratch? Um, I would just say go for it. And um, I know I was on Clubhouse a few times and a few of the sneaker chats and you hear a lot of the um people that run these companies say, Hey, there's, you know, there's only so many jobs. There's only so many design jobs or, you know, there's not enough to go around for everyone. And just hearing that is just like, man, they're right. But, you know, everyone has those dreams of certain corporations and companies that they have always dreamed, like they love those companies and they would love to work with those people. But there's not just one avenue to take to still collaborate with companies, you know, like Jerry Lorenzo had his own company and Nike came to him. They're like, Mm -hmm. Hey, we like what you're doing. We want you to design with us. 
So, I, I mean, I think it's going more towards that route, like Pierre Moss and Reebok. So I would say start your own thing. You know, you're in control of everything. I know it's difficult, um, but I think there's way more resources out there right now than when I first started on, you know, how to get things done. And just go at your own pace. Like, you don't have to have every single thing in order to start. Like, and what you're lacking, you can find out there. Like, just hire somebody freelance if you can't draw 100% or if you can't do the tech the tech specs of the sneaker. Um, mm -hmm. You can't expect to know everything, but you can always learn as you go. But you can't learn if you don't start. So um, definitely just jump and take your time and stay true to your vision and you will be you'll be okay i like that you you mentioned to me that at some point you had to start featuring yourself on your instagram uh, because you started getting messages not solely because uh, but one of the reasons was because you started getting messages of the hey bro can you get me this size or hey bro this is wrong <laughs> or something like that how yeah. like what's going through your mind when you're getting this like is it are you just laughing about it or wh what's going through your head it's a mixture it's funny because i'm like oh my gosh like they assumed i was a guy and i'm like man <laughs> do people read because like in my bio it says it's a woman-owned company and you still called me bro so, so i just <laughs> laugh sometimes but it's also kind of annoying because it's just like are you reading the bio and why are you assuming that it's a guy you know what i mean so that just goes yeah. to show that again there's a lack of representation in the sneaker industry because you're just gonna assume that it's a a male behind it um but i just think it was i thought it was funny <laughs> but that was the re that was one of the reasons why um i needed to start showing myself more because like you just looked at the page and it was just sneakers like you would never know who was behind it or what the story was. And I really think that the story that I have to tell is one of the key components of the brand. And mm -hmm. it's sometimes hard to put that in digital format. And I'm, you know, I'm not really a person that likes to be on the you know, main screen and the key focus of things. I'm kind of like in the background type, but I've had to start doing that because like, there's other people out there that need to hear the story and that can relate. And I think more people knowing that it's like a black woman on company, that's something that probably most people haven't heard before. So it's definitely yeah. something that needs to be highlighted. And I didn't realize that until my friend Mai told me to, um, <laughs> to do that. So uh, shout out to her. But um, especially, you know, this past year, I think, um, like we said, we, there's a lack of representation. And I definitely want to be an inspiration for more women to you know, get into the footwear industry, but not just women, just, you know, people of color that we can, you know, it's possible for us to start our own corporations and businesses um, and things that we're passionate about. It is. And like, obviously 2020 was a terrible year for everybody, but it's, it's something that hopefully in this next year we can kind of get back to the tunnel vision and not have all this noise around us and get focused on what we're we're needing to accomplish but heading into 2021 what are what's the biggest challenge that you have with your brand and how are you going to attack it um it's definitely exposure 
because uh, I feel like I have a really good product and a good brand, but not enough people know about it. So I definitely mm-hmm. um, need to spend more time pushing it and doing more marketing and advertising. And that was one of the positives that came out of 2020, I guess, is because everything was kind of put on pause and it gives you time to reflect of how you can be uh, more strategic in reaching people if you're not physically there to speak on your product. Um, So that's one good thing that came out of 2020. (laughs) But definitely pushing the brand um, more, trying to expand and get into more stores, uh, more retailers, not only in the US, but overseas as well. So that's one of some of the things that I'm trying to work on for 2021. Let's say someone had a $10,000 check for marketing for your business. What are you, what are you using it on? That's a good question. Um, I would use part of it on um, like photography, videography, because I really feel like um, we're in a really visual, visual era. <laughs> like people mm-hmm. like to see and hear people's stories. Um, and that, uh, that helps with the advertising to not just see photos, but seeing people with the um, shoes on and how you can wear them and dress them up and down. So I think I need to spend some money on videography, photography for sure. And then the other would just be for, um, um, production. So creating new products, I wanted mm-hmm. to create another shoe. Um, so I would use the money for, you know, R&D development. Yeah. I smell a fashion show coming. So you can show off the different things and then it's a video then you have a couple of videographers there and they're 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 capturing the whole thing. Obviously this is down the yeah, line when people cool. can go into an old factory or something. Oh yeah, I know, right? I would definitely like <laughs> there's definitely ways to do that still, you know, not being able to be around a ton of people, but like you can collaborate with different brands in the community because there's a ton of like really dope designers in the Chicagoland area that do clothes. So if they're doing clothes, then I was like, hey, I have the shoes. So let's put together like an outfit yeah. and get photos for not only for me, but it helps you as well. So there's a lot of things that um, that you can still do, even though we can't be out publicly. Exactly. Oh, gosh, I'm excited to see where you're you're going in the future. I think I would be doing you an injustice and the the students and anybody that's listening to this podcast and injustice if we don't talk about your your education and like how that really shaped your experience to date so do you want to talk about your time at ball state and um i'll ask a question after that yeah sure no i like i said i went to school for marketing so i picked marketing just because it was so broad like you don't have to be in a specific industry you can i mean everybody needs marketing whether it be sneakers clothes food you have to be able to sell um, a product but when you're selling it the marketing aspect is basically figuring out what people need and creating a story so at first i was thinking school i won't be using any of this stuff i think a lot of people are like when will i ever use this crap like when you're in school but i've actually used some of this stuff uh like accounting and econ and sales and being able to talk to different people and kind of discovery and asking questions um because without that 
you know, without getting my degree at Ball State, I wouldn't have got my sales job. And I feel like my sales job really, really helps me with my sneaker because I have to talk to people every day and I have to be told no a lot because you're in sales. So you're going to be facing a lot of rejection. But it's also, you know, all the things that I've learned throughout school and through my jobs have helped me with my sneaker um, and trying to figure out ways to differentiate myself and tell my story and create a need. So everything kind of came full circle. And like I said, even though I didn't go to school for design, um, I still wanted to continuously learn about the history of shoes. And if I'm communicating with my manufacturer, I wanted to be able to communicate more clearly with correct term terminology mm -hmm. about the sneakers. So that's why I enrolled in Yellow Brick Sneaker School, just to learn more about the ins and outs of how shoes are made and um, the retail process, the history of sneakers. So that was definitely really cool to do that. And next on my list is to learn how to um, make shoes by hand. So again, like it's continuously just trying to learn different things. Like you'll never stop learning at any point. Yeah. It's interesting that you got a marketing degree and you t you've taken the career path you have. I'm actually uh, reading, uh, it's called The Shoemaker. Uh, it's the story of how Reebok uh, became the brand that it did. It's actually by the the, own, the founder of Reebok. His name's Joe Foster. And I'm like halfway through the book, but it's funny you mentioned you didn't go for design or anything like that. You went into the marketing. The founder of Reebok went into design immediately got his degree in in that and didn't learn the business side and it ended up in the beginning almost killing the company and now you yeah. have that business uh acumen or or that savvy to be able to sit in those rooms and have those conversations and be confident in yourself and like you said you're not you're not afraid to hey, I can't draw this. I'm going to go out and, and hire someone that does this 30 times better than me because at the end of the day, it's going to help the brand. And that's something yeah. that a lot of founders won't let go of. So I applaud you for that. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like I said, I'm like a, a solopreneur, so I'm doing everything on my own. <laughs> and it's definitely hard to let go and trust other people to do something the way that you would want it done. <laughs> So, but you have to, because, you know, you can't do everything on your own. You have to, you know, you have to have a really solid team, but, um, but yeah, there's always something that you are probably lacking, but you can always outsource it or, you know, create a team to make up for those things that you're not the strongest at. So that shouldn't be a deterrent of you starting, you know, a business. If you, if you're not really strong on the business side, like you can learn things as you go. Um, or you can, you know, get a mentor to help you. Uh, there's free resources out there now too. So I would definitely just mm -hmm. try to find anything you can for free. <laughs> That's what I did for sure. Exactly. Well, as, as an, an owner and a founder, what keeps you up at night? Um, a lot of things keep me up at night. <laughs> I mean, especially with everything going on too, it's just like, oh man, but being in the space that we're in, it's really a, an advantage, but I really need to take advantage of these opportunities and how more people are like, oh, we're looking at who we're shopping with now. You know, 
we're we're paying more attention to people's stories and where things are made and you know are the products sustainable so there's just a lot of different things that are popping up now that people care about that didn't that people didn't really care about before mm-hmm. um so that's one thing but then also just now you know I'm 29 and now I'm getting to the point where it's just like, you know, I just want to inspire other people because, you know, when I was younger and I didn't see anybody that was a tomboy, like I was, you know, living in Indiana, I felt different and sometimes out of place, but having social media be there, it's just like, oh my gosh, like the world's so big and there's so many people that feel the same way that I do. So, you know, it it makes you feel like you're not alone, but I just definitely want to be an inspiration to other people out there um, that you can do it and um, inspire other people to start their own businesses as well. Even if you're not, you know, you know, the richest person in the world, um, if you have that drive and that passion, you'll always find a way. And that's always what I believe. I love that. I had a follow-up question, but you just answered it. So I'm going to ask you what makes you strange on purpose? Huh. <laughs> I guess I'm not necessarily strange anymore because I feel like everybody is kind of dressing how I used to dress. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say like when I was going through high school, people would think that I was a little strange. And um, I was around a lot of guys as well because I was into sneakers and, you know, most girls weren't at that time. But now things have changed. So... <laughs> <laughs> everybody's into sneak everybody's into sneakers and everybody's dressing how I used to dress and now I'm like man I was born in the wrong time but if I wasn't if I wasn't born when I was if I wasn't living where I did I wouldn't be who I am today so all those experiences pretty much molded me for like what's happening right now so if that is if me being strange if anything that was a blessing <laughs> in disguise like it got me to where i'm at now like if you feel out of place anywhere it's definitely okay like it's just where you are that doesn't mean you're weird it just means that there might not be people around you that you can relate to that's all if people want to be strange if people want to get involved or help out in some way or just follow along in the journey what should they do Uh, you can always reach out to me like shoot me a dm or an email i always respond to people um if they need advice or if they want to collab or if they have ideas whether they're a photographer stylist um you can always just shoot me a message and um i always you know get back to them and the instagram handle my instagram is at perico shoes and the website is perrycoshoes.com dope well i Brittany, i appreciate you jumping on today i really enjoyed this conversation i hope a lot of people took something from this because i have notes for days that i took from this so i appreciate you jumping on and i look forward to hopefully having you on in a year and seeing where the brand is from now yes for sure we gotta be worldwide so <laughs> I appreciate it, Izzy. Thank you for, you know, letting me share my story with everybody. No, thank you.
Yo, thank you for checking out this episode of the Strength on Purpose podcast. I literally could not do any of this without you listening today. So thank you again. And if you're interested, check us out on Instagram at Strange on Purpose or check out our website, strangeonpurpose.co. I have a newsletter that should be dropping very, very soon, blog posts to come with all of this. And hopefully when COVID restrictions end, we can do some live events and everything like that. Thank you for listening to the podcast and I hope you tune into the next one.